0: we are gathered here today on the official show february 17th 2021 for a eulogy uh, the marlins announced a um, surprise trade and an unsurprising signing two moves that uh further clogged their 40-man roster officially adding free agent outfielder Adam Duvall officially trading for reliever John Curtis from the Tampa Bay Rays and they had to make space on the 40-man roster one of those corresponding moves really both of these moves are uh, personally very annoying for me two players that I've taken a liking to one of them being Jeff Brigham a hard-throwing reliever with a nasty slider who can't stay healthy and uh, once again, he's going to start this season on the injured list, move to the 60 day IL to make room on the 40 man. And uh, the other casualty on the roster is Harold Ramirez, who has been designated for assignment to fit in Duvall and Curtis. This, of course, is Eli Sussman here on the Fish Stripes podcast, where we cover all things Miami Marlins. It's supposed to be a celebratory day. Pitchers and catchers finally reporting. To spring training. And uh, that's why they were able to officially move Brigham onto the injured list. Uh, this should be a pretty quick episode. It's a an emergency episode I wasn't planning to record today. We're going to focus on Harold Ramirez, who I would have to say is my favorite player currently in Major League Baseball. Not the best player. So many people uh, just are uh, infatuated with the best players and the star players, and I've never been under any delusion that Harold is a star player. But he had a really enjoying tenure with the Marlins, really enjoyable tenure, and uh, it's just a shame to see it end uh, two-plus years after they originally signed him. Uh, To take you through his origin story, what I thought was interesting in the first place, is that uh, they signed him to a minor league deal, non-roster invitee to spring training, Uh, Signed in late 2018, ahead of 2019 spring training. And uh, at the time, he was tearing it up in the Venezuelan Winter League off the charts numbers. uh, I think he was on top of their actual MVP race in the league. He was hitting uh, on that kind of insane level. And the more I dug into his backgrounds, the more encouraging details there are that when he was healthy in the past, he's a guy that could flat out hit. Not a guy with very extraordinary raw power or tools whatsoever, but someone just with a great feel for hitting an innate ability to spread the ball to all fields. The kind of baseball that we're actually just seeing less and less of in the majors these days, so that refreshing throwback I thought was very appealing. Someone that had just qualified for minor league free agency, and the Marlins had to outbid a handful of other teams to get him or at least offer a better opportunity. Because again, you have to put yourself in this frame of mind that this is just a year removed from the beginning of the rebuild and trading away Stanson and Yelich and Ozuna coming off a year where Lewis Brinson kinda fell on his face and some of their other key outfield prospects weren't even ready for the major leagues yet. There was a pretty obvious opening for Harold, and that's what he said later on in explaining his decision to sign with the Marlins, is that he just was very happy about the opportunity to potentially break through to the major leagues. He was someone at the time that hadn't played above the AA level, and I think that's very notable, because I'm going to do a deeper dive on this at some other point, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any other player in Marlins history that signed a minor league deal, this deep into their pro career and had zero major league experience who actually ended up being productive at the major league level. Every year um, they seemingly find one or two guys on minor league deals that are real contributors, but those are ones that are generally veterans, veterans that are past their peak or trying to bounce back from an injury that have actual major league experience. And that's what made Harold uh, such a curious signing, such an intriguing signing. He was only 24 years old when they picked him up. And As I said, he had never played at the Major League level yet, so he was intriguing to follow in spring training Uh, that year. Did all right, but um, not quite enough to make the roster, and uh, it was an interesting decision that he made towards the end of that spring training because he was so desirable as a minor league free agent that he had an opt-out at the end of spring. He could have chose to leave for another organization once he found out he wasn't going to make the opening day roster. Uh, He reconsidered, and he accepted an assignment to AAA, and it took barely a month into that season for him to force his way up to the majors the Marlins got off to a horrible horrible start through the first quarter of the 2019 season the biggest culprit was their offense and for someone like him that was hitting about 350 in AAA who had done just as well in Venezuela the earlier that winter um I mean it was kind of a no-brainer to call him up and give him a shot he played pretty regularly the rest of that 2019 campaign. And he got off to such a scorching start at the beginning. Uh, I'll have to look up the specific record that he set, but the first dozen games or so, he uh, he was hitting close to 400. And the number of hits that he was piling up was almost unprecedented for a Marlins rookie before. Again, the guy that was just 24 years old, who at various points in his development, going back to his days in the Pirates organization, snuck onto some top 100 prospects list that I mean, in my opinion, I still thought of him as a prospect, even though he was someone that had earned his free agency um, due to his tenure in the minor leagues. Very unconventional prospect, but I I think pretty quickly, once he got called up and had the same success that he'd had in lower leagues, that, uh, I mean, all of a sudden, he was someone that it wouldn't be crazy to consider him a significant piece of their future. So during that year in 2019, um, it's not saying much because the talent around him on that roster was pretty terrible offensively, but he was one of the more uh, valuable offensive players on the 2019 Marlins. 276 batting average, uh, 728 OPS. Adjust uh, for league average uh, in the environment, Weighted Runs Created Plus was slightly below league average at 93. Where league average is 100, his defense was an adventure. They spent a lot of time, remember, putting him in center field because Lewis Brinson spent a lot of that year in the minor leagues. They hadn't, of course, traded for Starling Marte yet. That by default they just had no answers at that position, and they tried Harold there. So there were some adventures there, because one of the things that's most appealing about Harold, I mean, aside from his ability to hit, is that he's just so unconventional. Someone that the most generous listing for him would be five foot eleven, but he's probably about five foot ten, weighing in uh, anywhere from two hundred and twenty five to two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, there was that one point in his Marlins career that he was noticeably slimmer, but um, I think at this current time, here in twenty twenty one, he's probably back up around two thirty five, two forty that's a shape that you just do not see very many baseball players in anymore aside from catchers you could get away with that body type as a catcher but that's what made him very unconventional and yet the athleticism that he had not not the most coordinated guy or fundamentally sounds but someone that was one of the one of the faster runners on the marlins um even in 2019 and even in uh, 2021 healthy. I mean, he was someone that according to Sprint Speed by StatCast, he was right up there with Lewis Brinson, probably a step below John Birdie, Magnera Sierra, but uh, pretty much in that second tier of fast Marlins players, Jorge Alfaro, faster than Brian Anderson, certainly faster than uh, Miguel Rojas, other guys that play up the middle positions on a regular basis. And yet he was, This anomaly. And that was just uh, delightful. Someone that showed a lot of happiness on the field and in the dugout during games. Um, One of the weird quirks about Harold is that even though he spreads the ball to all fields and has a a good knack for getting his bat on the ball, I mean, throughout his minor league career, I'm looking at the strikeout rates, never over 18% with his strikeout rates, always significantly better than uh, league average in that department and that carried over to the majors he was right around 20 percent in his rookie year whereas league average in the national league is like 22 23 um uh, the one drawback is that he didn't really hit the ball in the air i mean especially for a big chunk of that 2019 season he was right near the top of the league leaderboards in ground ball rate and on the bright side he has a lot of speed And there were, I think, at least a dozen occasions where he took advantage of that and earned himself some infield hits with that speed that he has. Uh, Generally speaking, though, I mean, the stats have borne this out, and we've seen the evolution in baseball, especially over the last handful of years, is that if you want to score runs, you should be hitting the ball in the air. That gives you your best potential of extra base hits. And uh, for someone like Harold that has fairly good batted ball skills, you look at the underlying numbers, too, and uh, he's someone that maxed out with an exit velocity of 113 miles per hour, which is a uh, fairly rare, even by major league standards. That really deep within him is a solid power hitter. If he could get the ball in the air more often, late in that 2019 season, um, he there was a little lull, lull, a little lull in his production there in a uh, for the middle part of 2019 where he started he started to lose his grasp on being an actual everyday player, everyday starting player. But he had a nice resurgence over the final quarter of that year, and specifically with what he did to elevate the ball. He hit a, a big chunk of home runs in August of that year, including a couple walk-off home runs that I'm sure you guys remember. Those have been uh, a couple of really the best moments of this entire rebuild to date. One of those came in extra innings, if I remember correctly. I can't explain how I feel right now. I feel so good. Uh, He was clutch, and that stuff adds up. So I already said before that, you know, the overall numbers didn't really tell the whole story of how important he was to that team. A team that, you know, I'll admit was uh, pretty terrible overall and posting a record of 57 and 105 held back by their offense, dead last in home runs. He stood out among that kind of uninspiring group of players he was definitely a bright spot of that season so he played a little bit of center field he played mostly though in left and in right and um finished that year with with solid numbers overall again a guy for that was just 24 years old for that season and uh, so we enter 2020 he and he had a noticeable uh, weight loss entering 2020 spring training he played even better that spring than he did the prior spring, if I remember correctly. And uh, there was never really any doubt that if the worlds had been going normally for a full length 2020 season, that he would have been on the opening day roster. This was without the designated hitter, even being a possibility in our minds for the national league under normal circumstances, that he was going to make the team anyway, because he was one of their better hitters. And, um, especially I believe in right fields he would again most of his playing time if if, uh, I put myself back in that frame of mind correctly that uh, it was it was pretty exciting to have him there and uh, to be a guy that you could actually expect improvement for given where he is on the aging curve Uh, of course COVID hit when he came back from COVID he, he put on a little bit of weight and even admitted to doing that yet we got to summer camp in late June early July And he was one of the more impressive players there. I mean, one of the other big storylines in 2020 with the outfield was the emergence of Monte Harrison. Monte Harrison, who uh, a little bit younger than Harold and uh, just a far superior athlete overall, someone with much higher ceiling if he was able to get everything to click. And Monte was great that spring, and he had some great moments during summer camp as well. But Harold kind of beat him out for a spot. I mean, both of those guys had minor league options remaining, and uh, Harold was the one that was more impressive to the decision makers, which even led to more excitement once we finally got to that belated opening day. It was, and even for someone that had pretty high standards for Harold, I was shocked when, uh, for for that opening day game, July 24th, he was their cleanup hitter, batting fourth in a lineup that had just added Corey Dickerson and spent a lot of money on him, that had just added Jonathan VR and Jesus Aguilar, that they somehow found room for Harold in the number four spot of that lineup. A big key to that, I imagine, was having confidence in him being able to elevate the ball, because that's really what was going to separate him from being a, a fun role player to being one that you can squint and see as an actual everyday player in, in critical part of your lineup. And we really didn't get to find out exactly how those adjustments would go into effect because two games after into the season, he was one of those first few players that was conspicuously absent from that that series finale in Philadelphia that third game he tested positive for COVID-19 eventually as you remember uh, most of the active roster that was with the Marlins there tested positive and it was a long road back for him Uh, I mean players started coming back from the COVID list about three weeks later with Miguel Rojas uh, Sandy Alcantara and with Harold, it took over a month. It wasn't until that first week of September, after originally testing positive in late July, a long road back for him. I don't know exactly what uh, possible complications he was dealing with, but I mean, thankfully got all the way back. And then tragically, um, that first game, off of the injured list, suffering an injury, suffering a, a really awful, gruesome looking hamstring injury. Like the moment you saw it, this was in Tampa Bay, September 5th. Like the moment you saw it, you thought the worst, that it was something structurally wrong, that he may need surgery because he couldn't get off the field under his own power. He was carted off the field in Tampa Bay and unsurprisingly ruled out for the season the next day. They called it a hamstring strain. And um, as far as we know, he didn't have to undergo any sort of surgery for it. Which leads us to, I mean, where we are right now, entering the winter. The Marlins made the playoffs without Harold, and uh, they did it with some occasionally good outfield production. Uh, I mean, a lot of key moments from Starling Marte, who they traded for in the middle of the year, and uh, by acquiring Marte, they made it pretty obvious that Harold wouldn't be needed in center field, which is for everybody's best interest. Uh, but uh, Corey Dickerson didn't quite live up to expectations. Matt Joyce, same deal with him, kind of fell short of what they wanted. Lewis Brinson had some nice flashes, but, eh, but inconsistent. And uh, Magnara Sierra uh, also had some great hot streaks during that season. Um, but the other young outfielders were struggling, uh, no doubt about it. Monte really struggled. Jesus Sanchez really struggled and barely spent any time on the major league roster. So, I mean, heading into, uh, 2021, it was, uh, it was not hard to imagine some kind of role for Harold, even bringing Dickerson back for the final year of his deal. Starling Marte had another year remaining on his deal that, uh, Harold, you could squint and see like a significant role for him on this team. So what are the serious events that led us here with him now seemingly on his way out, having been designated for assignment, um... I mean, one is his defense, the fact that, as I mentioned, it rated pretty poorly his first year in uh, 2017 at both center field and at, in the corners, and I mean, one stat that I dug up recently that alarmed me is the fact that he has zero outfield assists in his major league career. He's almost, what, a 1,000 innings into his major league career defensively, zero outfield assists after 940 in a third innings. And, um, there are less assists to go around in baseball these days because players are being coached to be more conservative on the base paths, understanding that gaining that extra 90 feet isn't quite as valuable as, um, the opportunity cost doesn't really add up considering that there are other ways to get you around to score, uh, especially with how many home runs are being hit in the major leagues that there are less assists to go around. But that being said, you dice up the numbers and there's really no comp, comp, there's really nobody else in this position that has played this many innings over the last couple years, and hasn't even accidentally like backed his way into one. When you really dig deeper, you can find out that Harold actually does have two outfield assists over the past couple years. The caveat to that is that they didn't happen in the majors, one happened in AAA, and then one happened in, uh, very recently in the Caribbean series that he was playing for his native Columbia just a few weeks ago. And I looked up the video to those outfield assists, and it's hilarious because they are... Um, they really had nothing to do with Harold. It was just him throwing the ball um, into the infield. I think both of them, both of those throws he threw to home plate. There wasn't really a play at the plate. The ball was cut off, and they caught another runner in a rundown. And somehow... Yeah, there was like four or five throws in between the one that Harold made and the one that finally got the runner out but yet that outfielder gets credited with the assist because he was the first one to actually field the ball when it was put into play so he lucked his way into two quote-unquote outfield assists over the past couple of years but he has none in the major leagues so he is, he is a weak throwing arm and a somewhat inaccurate throwing arm and his his technique in the outfield is just really problematic for a guy that has above average speed, um, and has made a couple highlight reel catches. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you remember those from 2019. Uh, at least one that actually robbed a home run. That generally his fundamentals, his um, awareness in the outfield, is a deficiency, and that prevents him from being valuable out there. He's a liability anyway. Uh, you slice it. I'm someone that, uh, I mean, with all due respect to other people that that cover the Marlins, I I think I'm the only one that actually watched Harold pretty religiously during the winter. I mean, he played in his native Colombia um, for Quemanas de Barranquilla. He played overall, he played 37 regular season and postseason games in Colombia, and then another five in the Caribbean series, which took place in Mexico. He was representing his Colombian national team. After us, uh, they won their league title thanks to Harold. He was one of the best players in the league. He hit over 330. Let me get the exact slash line for you. 331, 394 on base percentage, 463 uh, slugging percentage. Actually, that's if you combine everything. So that's all 42 games between. It's Colombian League and the Caribbean Series. So if you look at the Colombian League, it's even better. He slugged nearly 500 on base, right around 400. He was among the league leaders in most significant categories, except for power hitting. Um, he only hit one home run the entire winter in what I estimate was about 180 plate appearances. Uh, I, thankfully, but through a service called Telecaribe, I mean, you were able to watch most of these Colombian games live on YouTube. So I was able to watch, of those 180 plate appearances that he had this winter overall, I'd say I watched at least 60 or 75, close to half of those plate appearances I actually I watched because I'm at, fascinated by Harold, and I wanted to see how he looked coming off that significant injury. Uh, early on in the winter, it was pr- pretty clear that he was tentative, that he was being careful with the way that he was running, and he played a significant amount at DH. As the winter wore on, he became their regular corner outfielder, a lot of right field, a little bit of left field, occasionally in center field as well, occasionally at first base, a handful of games at first base, that uh, from what I saw, he didn't have a whole lot of plays to prove himself as a first baseman. So, I mean, obviously looking at the stats, there was plenty of positives, a lot of production. At the same time, the level of competition there in Columbia wasn't quite at the same level as other winter leagues the majority of players there had no major league experience um, i would wager that only slightly more than half of those players were even currently in affiliated minor league baseball that i mean the, the average player there was probably a high a player that was a year or two removed from playing affiliated baseball so these guys um it's, it's just not quite the best competition And you could just see in watching him that he was benefiting a lot from some sloppy defense, guys that uh, just were not quite at the kind of level that he's going to be facing in the majors. And for that reason, it was hard to see just because he was a batting title contender in Columbia didn't really change my expectations of who he'd be in the major leagues. And again, I mean, the most concerning part was the inability to drive the ball deep, that he only had one home run. Um, he had a couple others that made it to the warning track. Uh, One was an extra base hit. Another was a long sacrifice fly. Uh, in general, he just wasn't elevating the ball. And, um, I mean, that's such a critical part of his game. I mean, they're playing in a league that had the DH. Um, but he's a guy that the whole key to him, uh, even being in the NL in 2021, even assuming there's no DH that he's a viable player. If he's an above average hitter. And I mean, for all the fun of 2019, he wasn't really above average overall at that level. And the difference is going to be driving the ball while continuing to make a whole lot of contact. And that's what he did in Columbia. I mean, he really was better than even his normal standards. Strikeout rate around 13%, only one every eight, one every seven plate appearances at most. Um, That was encouraging. Um, also, just watching him defensively, though, that, uh, yeah, I mean, some of those fundamental issues are just going to be hard to correct. He's a guy that is still relatively young, 26 years old, but um, that stuff is not an easy fix. You either have it or you don't in terms of the way that you recognize the ball off the bat and um, just the situational awareness of what to do with the ball once you field it, that that's continues to make him a pretty significant liability. Um as we usually do on this podcast, a lot of credit to Craig Mish, contributor for the Miami Herald, that he was pointing out over a week ago, even before the Marlins had signed Adam Duvall, that he identified Harold as a quote, odd man out of the Marlins outfield. Um, didn't really go into his specifics all that much, other than saying that the Marlins were considering it a higher priority to give Lewis Brinson and Magnaris Sierra some playing time. Both of those guys don't really have anything left to prove in the minors, and Sierra can't even be optioned down. He's out of minor league options, which gave him uh, a priority over someone like Harold. Harold technically had one option remaining in the same situation where he didn't really have anything to prove in the minors, at least offensively. And uh, so without the DH and with those guys expected to handle the line share playing time and right, that uh, it would kind of reduce Harold to just a glorified pinch hitter. And then the team actually signed Duval, someone that that Mish had linked them to uh, for most of the offseason, and they finally got Duval at the price they were comfortable with. And uh, as things currently stand, Duvall, his deal finally becoming official today. Now he's projected to get most of the playing time in right field. Uh, leaves a little bit of part-time opportunity for Brinson and Sierra to fill in the gaps In left and in right, you know, when Dickerson gets off against a tough lefty, when Juval may get off against a tough righty, and both of those guys being over 30. Um, But it's a tight squeeze, and there's no chance in hell that the Marlins were going to carry six outfielders on their active roster to enter the year. And and I mean, this is without even going into Garrett Cooper, who has played the outfield in the past and may have the best bat, the best power bat, certainly, um, of all these fringy players. That uh, it was understandable that Harold would be the odd man out. As it turns out, after the news comes out that Harold was DFA'd, Mish notes that uh, the Marlins, quote, have been trying to move Ramirez to no avail. This should speed up the process, that they had had conversations with other teams about trading him. Um, And, uh, I mean, the wording of that makes me a little bit concerned about uh, what they're going to get back in return. uh, Because, uh, I mean, ultimately that's that's a hope once you decide to cut ties with him and when you choose this timing. There was nothing forcing the Marlins to make this move right now. I mean, Duvall needed to get on the roster, um, but the trade they made with the Rays to acquire um, Curtis, John Curtis, in exchange for prospect Evan Edwards, do you think that's something that probably could have waited um, until later in the spring? Uh, the fact that they're making this trade right now, um, still a handful of days before the first full squad workout... it. it I guess they're under the impression that his stock is not going to go up under any circumstances. They're showing faith, I guess, in everybody else reporting to camp healthy because, I mean, that was really the last hope for Harold to hold on a little bit is if there was an injury, an injury to either the corner outfielders, um, yeah, really anybody, as long as there was some sort of injury to one of those guys that was projected to make the roster ahead of him, then you can see him going on. And uh, I mean, presumably there'll be injuries at some point during the this, this season, but it's impossible to really anticipate exactly what If they're pulling the trigger now. Then they're uh, pretty content with the depth that they have. They have invited a whole lot of outfielders to major leagues from training, including a bunch that don't have major league experience, but rank among their top prospects. So hopefully they're just able to salvage something in return because Harold has been so that's a nice bright spot. As I said, it's very rare for someone with no major league experience to signed in free agency, reaching the majors for the first time, and actually being a legit contributor to your team and making some positive memories. And so hopefully um, it's easier to swallow if they get something in return for Harold. Uh, best case scenario would probably be similar to Austin Dean, Um where I think there are some comps between the two. Dean was a guy that most of his minor league career uh, was held in brief stretches. He was held in high regard, but for the most part, he's someone that was just lacking in the certain tools to be a high-end player, had some of the same defensive deficiencies, um, being a right-handed hitter instead of a left-handed hitter, that uh, there were some things working against him, and yet the Marlins were able to get outfielder Dio Will Burgos in return from the Cardinals in a trade. Whoever uh, they move out Harold for, I mean, keep in mind that this entire situation was forced on them by the fact that their 40-man roster is full, and they needed to make a corresponding move. And by trading Harold, they're going to be looking for someone that is not on the 40-man, someone else that a prospect, and a very young prospect in all likelihood, that they can acquire and doesn't need to be on the 40-man right away because they don't have any room. So they made the best out of that situation around this time of year ago when they traded Austin Dean and got Burgos in return, who is a power-hitting outfield prospect, I think even now only about 20 years old. And that's going to be the hope, Um, not necessarily getting an outfielder in return. It'd be nice to get another catcher. I mean, this is a team that could use more at that position. The fact that they traded Evan Edwards in this deal to get Curtis. Uh, I mean, first base was already um, a position that they were lacking in depth if you look deep into their minor league system. So maybe a first base prospect. It all depends largely on who claims him off waivers. I mean, that's the first step is someone puts in a claim for him and then they try to negotiate a trade from there. Uh, I think either way, it's hard to imagine a scenario where he goes unclaimed. And uh, that's the whole point of recording this in the first place is that we see this as the end of the road, for Harold after two-plus years in the organization. Uh, So I'll have to find a new favorite Marlins player. I mean, there's a lot to choose from. A lot of high-character guys on this team that really enjoy the game. And uh, the Marlins are going to be all right. I think all things considered, um, this offseason, later on, we're going to wait until Harold's status is resolved. This is going to be officially marking the end of the Marlins offseason when they finally... Hopefully a trade, if not, he claimed off waivers that that's going to mark the unofficial end of the Marlins offseason to me. So I'll have a a long article up on Fishtripes.com breaking down the Marlins offseason, grading it. I have a very specific grading system that I'm going to break out for this team. Uh, started off pretty slow this offseason. Not just slow, but a little underwhelming. And generally speaking, they've done well with these last handful of moves here in what, late January, and then so far in February, that um, all these moves make sense on some sort of level, and, I mean, ultimately, signing Adam Duvall, having Duvall replace Harold on the roster, it's it's hard to dispute that that's going to be an upgrade for this upcoming season, so um, in a in vacuum, it's, yeah, it's hard to blame that, and even fitting that within the larger narrative of what they've done this offseason, that uh, it's uh, I think Marlins fans should feel all right about where the front office is right now under the leadership of Kim Ang. But keep your eye out on the website for a full breakdown of the offseason, and we already have several articles up there about this trade that they just made with the Rays. Uh, last time they traded with the Rays, didn't go so hot. Thought they were selling high on Nick Anderson. And yet, ever since then, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball. But um, this is their first trade with the Rays since then, since mid-2019. So, hoping they don't regret trading away Ethan Edwards, who was pretty impressive in his pro debut in 2019. But we have a couple articles up on there from myself and from Juan Paez. So, read those as well. Our our season preview series continues on Fish Rifes. Harold was the first player that we did in the series preview season preview, and the reason that we did that is because I was concerned. I mean the writing was on the wall it was well technically the writing was on the Herald from Craig Mish about Harold being the odd man out and uh, so that's why I put out his article super early in anticipation of that and at the bottom of that article, I asked the readers will Harold Ramirez be on the 2021 Marlins opening day roster and unfortunately, seventy percent of you got that wrong seventy percent said yes and um, it turns out that that will almost certainly not be the case. The next steps for him are going to be pretty curious to see, because he's certainly a better fit with on a team that has the designated hitter spot. Uh, ultimately, his ceiling is somewhat limited unless the defense improves, uh, unless he's able to elevate the ball more consistently in a way that actually results in slugging and getting on base more often. Either way, I'm going to be following him pretty obsessively no matter where he goes, wishing him the best of luck. And we're about to turn the page to spring training. Now that pitchers and catchers have reported um, only a few days away from the first full squad workouts. In advance of the full squad workouts, we're going to have a a special podcast episode that's going to give a more comprehensive preview of uh, where the team stands. So be on the lookout for that posting next Tuesday. And between now and then, obviously we're going to have a whole lot of stuff on fishtripes.com. And on the Fish Stripes social media accounts, give us a follow. We're verified on Twitter, verified. Uh, but the same good stuff that we always we always had up there, covering the team uh, for better or for worse. Thanks for listening, and go fish.